Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of People's Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. Pea Soup is Season 3, who would have thought it? This week, it's Part 1 of a conversation with Dr Guy Meadows, co-founder and clinical director of The Sleep School. Hear about the events which led up to the creation of The Sleep School, and some of their research on the UK working adult population. People's Soup is a podcast that takes evidence-based psychology and behavioural science with the aim of making it accessible, fun and useful for people in the workplace and beyond. This is based upon a foundation of contextual behavioural science and other complementary psychological approaches. We aim to make our content interesting for humans, whether you're curious about psychology in the workplace, a psychologist, a leader, a therapist, a team member, anyone really who reflects on how they show up at work. It was psychologist Abraham Maslow who said, a first-rate soup is more creative than a second-rate painting. That was the inspiration for this podcast. More than ever, the world of work is a heady mix of people, behaviour, events and challenges. When the blend is right, it can be first-rate. Behavioural science and psychology has a lot to offer in terms of recipes, ingredients, seasonings, spices and utensils. So welcome to People Soup. Before we go on, some news and reviews... I've given the website a bit of a facelift. I thought it was a bit dark and gloomy, so I've zhuzhed it up a bit, and you can check it out at peoplesoup.co. Some reviews after our bridging episode last week. Chris Winson said, so here's some cheery news. People Soup Pod is back. Forget season three of Stranger Things. This is the season three we've been waiting for. And what a lovely way to end the trailer, Ross. Thank you for sharing. Huge hug your way. Fiona Healy O'Neill said... A beautiful morning listen, a warm hug with a good friend. Can you be real, heart-opening and human in the context of first-rate work, as so many of us long for? Ross models this better than almost anyone I know. Put on a brew, listen to some birdsong and get excited for season three. And Tracy on Facebook said, Ross's warmth emanates through the pod waves and makes people suit the definition of easy listening. At the same time, his knowledge and knack for distilling key ideas and takeaways for those interested in psychological well-being in the workplace is extraordinary. Thank you so much for those comments and messages from some of my favourite peacekeepers. Your words are really, really appreciated. Now, without further ado, let's crack on. So get a brew on and listen to part one of my conversation with Dr Guy Meadows. Supers. I'm delighted to be here with Dr. Guy Meadows. Guy, welcome. Thank you, Ross. Nice to be here. Thank you. And we are in the projects in Brighton. Guy has kindly come down to Brighton to, to visit me in, in my swanky co-working space. And he also works in a swanky co-working space up in, up in that big London. Guy is the co-founder and clinical director of the Sleep School. He's also an author of the sleep book and you'd probably be familiar I have a research department or I pretend I have a research <laughs> department guy and they've done a bit of digging about you and first of all I've got real kudos and hats off to you for really getting behavioral science out there into the world and really making an impact in, in the area of sleep it's I think it's absolutely amazing what you're doing and I'm kind of in awe so mm. Thank you. <laughs> I can tell you sort of how that came about, if you like. Yeah, yeah, I will, we'll go into that yeah. in just a moment. Um, 
My research department also says you hang out with celebrities sometimes. You've been known to hang out. They've been they've been trawling your Instagram, mate. So they they've seen you with Tom Daly. They've seen you with dude from Eggheads, Jeremy Vine, also star of Radio. Yeah, I believe. And they've seen you also hanging out at the Royal Institution. That is fancy. I guess the good thing is celebrities can't uh, sleep. So, uh, <laughs> it, it happens to all of us. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. So one final bit of research from them. They wouldn't reveal the sources, but um, they said you had a cameo role in the new series of Killing Eve. <laughs> I'm not sure whether you're allowed to comment on that. No, I'm afraid I can't comment. And on. also that you were in negotiations to have your own Netflix special. <laughs> Again, I don't expect you to comment on that, but no, exactly. It's the it's the Bond series that I've got to keep quiet. Though. Of course, of course. But I feel if I put that out there, yeah. we can edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing I like to do with my guests, guy, is to say if 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 over the next few weeks, as you walked in a room, whether it be at work or with clients or at home, mm. and you could have a piece of music that announced your arrival, what what would that be? Okay, I, might, I might be a little bit strange here, <laughs> but you know, I actually, I wouldn't go for music. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of, I think it's music. I'd go for bird song. Oh, man. I, I would go for like a skylark or something like that. I love that. No one's, no one's ever gone for bird song before. That is amazing. So if, I can't imitate a skylark, <laughs> but what I might do is look so up. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's, you know, just a dawn chorus or something like that. It's uh, when, when I do quite a lot of commuting, and it's uh, it's what I use mm. uh, to sort of in my noise cancelling headphones right. to, uh, to to block out the uh, the kind of the, you know the, the coughs and the splutters and the yeah. people talking <laughs> on the train. So it's my, it's kind of my my go to happy place. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Done. Mm. And. Interestingly, we, we commute on the same line. I'm, I'm at the end of the line, you're just a bit further up. Never seen you yet, but I think we do get the same train. We probably do. But it's a hell of a long train. Yeah. I'm interested in how you, your journey into how you arrived at where you are today. Sleep School has been in existence for 10 years or so. But uh, well, I mean, in, in its sort of, it was called something else, but it sort of began in like 2005. Right. So it's been going for quite a while. So yeah. what led you to that point in 2005? Give us a bit about yeah, your, so, your history. So, so I, uh, before that, I was doing a PhD at Imperial College, um, uh, but I, I, it was exclusively based at, first at the um, sleep research labs of Chang Cross Hospital, right. and then at the Royal Brompton Hospital. Wow. And, um, and so I spent in sort of best part of four and a half years uh, working in those in those labs, um, you know, sort of enjoying the joys of sleep research. Which you know, if anyone's thinking, as I say, if anyone's thinking of doing a PhD, don't mm. do it in sleep, because <laughs> basically you spend well, you spend all your time watching other people, you know, sleep. sleeping. So you know, all your research is night based. So you've got those labs where people come and check in, like a like a hotel almost. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you yeah. connect them to yeah, all so sorts you, of mad scientists. Exactly. We put all the electrodes on the head so you can measure their brain's electrical activity. Right. I was measuring brain blood flow, so there was a, yet another. We had this sort of transcranial Doppler on the side of the head, and then then we had you know bands across the chest 
on the finger, you know, things up their nose, you know, and, really? and, and then we said, right, now uh, now get some sleep, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, a lot of them did, uh, which was incredible. And so, but the, from, from the research perspective, it's, mm. it's just a very strange world because you're in a hospital mm. at night, you know, which is quite, mm. kind of quite creepy. Yeah. Um, you hear sort of noises and things yeah. like that and, and, but you're there you know either in another room or behind a screen where someone else is sleeping you're just watching their brain waves go or, or then you're doing lots of our experiments involved ranging from reducing the amount of oxygen they were held or increasing the amount of carbon dioxide or, or my personal favourite was waking them up every few minutes with a loud speaker <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like torture um, you have to amuse yourself in some way if you're going yeah. to sort of spend your whole, you know. Oh for, God, that's terrifying. So you just marched in and go like, oh. Oh no, we had a, a, a siren above the mounted above their head, which we press a button. And they they agreed to this. Yeah, they did. They signed a contract. I'm not casting doubt on your ethical research, <laughs> Well, the interesting okay. note is that uh, my business partner, my long-term business partner, is actually um, he did pretty much all of the experiments. So we we clearly didn't deter them that much. Oh, so he was he was one of your he, he, subjects. He, he was a subject, yeah, because you know, actually, you know, sort of, it was like two thousand and one. We actually paid pretty well, you know. It's like a, you know, a hundred pounds a night to come in and sleep. You know, the, wow. they came in and realised it wasn't real sleeping, but uh, you know, wow. So there's this real foundation, yeah, of sleep dudeness <laughs> in your in your background. So what was your what was your PhD looking at? If you can if you can distill it down to yeah, so yeah. people who aren't experts. Yeah, so we, like we, we were interested in the regulation of brain blood flow. Right. And uh, in healthy, normal individuals and in individuals with uh, sleep apnea, which is where you stop breathing mm. at night and heart failure. Mm. And we were looking at something called cerebral vascular reactivity. So the ability of your blood vessels to increase in size in response to lack of oxygen or increase in carbon dioxide. Right. So, so if you imagine... Um, so, so you know, and, and what we discovered was that reactivity uh, is mm. greatly reduced during sleep, which, you know, could increase an individual's risk of stroke, for example. Right. So, yeah. So you want your blood vessels to be able to respond to lack of oxygen mm. uh, to increase the blood supply, to increase, you know, the amount of oxygen to the brain. Yeah, thing. But, but as with most things, you know, most biological processes go, go to sleep mm. a little bit when you go to sleep, you know. Yeah. So, so you completed a PhD... And then you thought, hey, I want to continue with this sleep yeah. stuff. How I, did... well, what, what sort of happened, you know, a number of things happened during the PhD. Yeah. One, I completely destroyed my sleep-wake cycle, um, leading to uh, experiences of insomnia. So right. it's kind of quite ironic, really, yeah. that, you know, sort of that, that my PhD sort of led me down the path of, of chronic insomnia. Yeah. Um, which any, you know, I would say any sort of shift worker um, knows that, that effect, where if you're, you're constantly doing sort of nights and if there's no really regular pattern, then that can lead to us, you know, uh, desynchronization of that wonderful mm. 24 hour circadian rhythm that yeah. you've got, which is designed to stabilize your sleep. And, and when that, you know, goes, then, mm. uh, then it becomes harder to sleep. Mm. But I, 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 at the time I was, I was working in sleep apnea, but I was really interested in insomnia. Mm. Uh, and insomnia was this sort of psychophysiological yeah. uh, reaction. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, for a long time, I, I did a lot of my training was always in, in physiology. Mm. And my, uh, I think your, your listeners might like this, my, my sort of prof 
one of my profs said, you know, sort of, oh, psychology, that's just unsolved physiology. You know, <laughs> don't go near it. And of course, you know, as soon as when you're that young, you know, yeah. so as soon as someone says, don't go near something, you're like, ooh, ooh yeah, I want to go and find yeah. out about that. Yeah. And, and I really liked the idea that insomnia was this mix of, you know, uh, physiology, so mm. your sort of body clock, your sleep drive, all of mm. that kind of uh, stuff that's helping to regulate sleep, but then also your psychology as well, the sort of the, the thoughts, feelings, mm. you know, that show up in the middle of the night and stop you from sleeping. So that kind of, um, I, yeah, that, that sort of led me towards insomnia, it led me towards doing mm. retraining in, in uh, CBT, yeah. um, and sort of just, you know... Uh, Basically, I was doing as much learning as I possibly could around psychology. Yeah. Uh, which was, you know, it's quite bizarre having spent, you know, a number of years in physiology. Yeah. So it's, it's really fascinating to hear about this journey. So you, you started to do training in CBT. Yeah. And when did you discover ACT? I discovered ACT. I discovered ACT, you know, it was uh, on a, uh, at, at about the same time. So when I was um, doing my PhD, I discovered mindfulness as well. Right. Yeah. And, and I was at a, uh, uh, you know, in those days, you know, not like now, in those days, the only place you could get mindfulness was in your local Buddhist centre. And, course, and for yeah. which there were a handful in London. Yeah. And so I went there and was learning sort of mindfulness with Buddhism yeah. uh, and, and realized that it was, you know, hugely helpful in my own life. Mm. You know, sort of just, I was like, this is totally uh, against everything that I was reading about and I was learning, you know, this, yeah. this, this weird sort of just allowing it to be there, noticing mm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, this is, this is crazy, you know, cause on the other side I was learning to, um, you know, manage my thoughts and, you know, sort of challenge them and block yeah. them. Interesting. And, I thought, yeah. and, and it really resonated. Mm. And I was actually on a, uh, a mindfulness retreat uh, with John Cabot Zinn, Blimey. name dropping. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He came to he came to uh, to London, um, right. and oh, I, I'd like to just point out it, it wasn't me and him. It was like me and like <laughs> six hundred other people in my head. But it's it you. felt yeah, it felt it, it was just me and him. Yeah, you know, we were yeah. hanging out, you know, sort of <laughs> sharing eyes and stuff. You know? um, and uh, and it was actually I was on that retreat um, with him and someone said, hey, uh, you'd love ACT. And I was like, mm. what's ACT? And by this point, I was already trying to bring in sort of mm. mindfulness uh, sort of based ideas mm. towards insomnia yeah. because I kind of realized that, you know, actually it, it seems to be the struggle, you know, the yeah. more people struggle to get to sleep, the more awake they become. Mm. You know, people were telling me, Oh, you know, I've been awake all night and then it got mm. to 6am in the morning and, you know, and then I fell asleep and I was like, well, what happened at 6am? And they went, well, I gave up. I went, you know, sod it. I've got to be up at seven. I hate, you know, I hate it. And I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. You know, so the moment that you stop struggling and of course I didn't yeah. know that was acceptance. Mm. I, you know, I still, the moment you stopped, you fell asleep. I was like, wow. If I could understand what goes on in that moment, mm -hmm. then maybe there might be something in that. And so I started to try to bring in mindfulness-based principles. Mm -hmm. Then someone told me about ACT, mm -hmm. and, and I, I read The Happiness Trap. And, and of course, as you can imagine, it was just like doors, you know, sort of uh, yeah. that blew open. And uh, yeah, and it, was, and it absolutely changed my whole way of thinking, changed my life, I would say. Mm -hmm. Sounds quite profound, but I think if anyone knows that, you know, implemented it, you know, it's just wholeheartedly mm. into everything that I was mm. doing. So it's, um, funny, it's funny you mentioned the happiness trap, because that's exactly where I started mm. when I signed up to the course, the Masters at City. 
the first thing I did was read the happiness track. I was like, oh. Yeah. But it's interesting, we were just discussing before we, I turned the mic on, I was at the ACBS conference last week, the Association for Contextual Behavioural Science for the P-Supers, and I saw Russ Harris do a bit of his magic. But um, one of the first-time attendees contacted me after the conference and said, is it normal to feel really, really weird and discombobulated after a, an ACBS conference <laughs> and not know whether you're standing up or sitting down? And I said, yeah, that, that's pretty normal. And it sounds like the impact. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll never forget my uh, first ACBS, AC, ACBS. Yeah, sort of, you know, the people had said, oh, yeah, you're, you're going to Kelly Wilson. Oh, yeah, you'll be crying in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was crying in the first five minutes. <laughs> it's like, damn it. <laughs> it's difficult to explain, I think, to other people. I mean, they're just going to think it's a bit of a cult. Or... Yeah, no, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible family of people who, who, who are incredibly generous, helped me mm. hugely, mm. you know, sort of... Um, uh, with, with you know sort of developing the ideas mm. and you know people who we know well you know sort of Paul yeah. um, uh, Flaxman uh, Joe Oliver people like that you know sort of helping yeah. to cultivate the sort of the, the ideas that I have yeah. around sleep so, so tell me what happened next so you were doing all this immersion to the mindfulness the discovery of act yeah, so I, I, I kind of just took the, the, the act tools and, and applied them to, started, you know, applying them to chronic insomnia sufferers and, and realized it worked really well. People mm. really liked it. Uh, you know, it dropped uh, CBT. Um, it, it, you know, I found that one of my big issues with it is, is it worked for some people. It didn't work for everyone. Mm. And, and, and there was so much, you know, and, and then, you know, now knowing what I know, it was the the, the focus on symptom reduction. Mm. So much of, of of CBT is about control. There are so many rules. I always felt that you know, as soon as you uh, became an insomniac, you got a, a rule book. You know, the, the mm. bedroom is only for sleep and sex. You know, sort yeah. of if you've been awake for more than fifteen minutes, you've got to get out of bed and go and do something else. You know, it's yeah. kind of like sleep restriction. You're only allowed to sleep for the number of hours you you are. You know, it was just all that was. My, my sort of interpretation was of it was that um, it was just we were giving more and more things for people to do to achieve something that required nothing mm. in order for them to achieve it so you know and that just created more anxiety Our, you know my clients were basically going they were lying in bed going well you know I've done my wind down I've done my mm. you know, I've run a marathon today I haven't had any caffeine I haven't had any alcohol I've done some deep breathing and yeah. I'm still awake what's wrong with me yeah and that's why the, the sudden realisation of the experiential avoidance, you know, within the ACT model, this realisation that, you know, people are putting in so much time, effort, money in order to try and get rid of mm. the discomforts, the, you know, the, the, the sleeplessness, uh, you know, the, the anxiety, whatever mm. it may be that's, you know, sort of there in the night. And mm. actually all it was doing is just perpetuating it. It was just, it was fueling it. And that was just... I suddenly, you know, because I had all of these clients where they had, you know, literally their bedside cabinets were like a, a cemetery to, <laughs> to sort of, you know, to pass techniques. You know, they had their pills yeah. and their CDs yeah. and their lavender sprays and, you know, all of this. But they didn't let it go. But just mm. because of the fear. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is control at its best. Mm. And all of them had this very strong belief, you know, I can't sleep unless I do X, Y or Z. Wow. Yeah, and so the ACT model fitted beautifully, mm. and I, you know, I started to, um, you know, I started to sort of 
sort of do more of it. I started to talk to, I started to go to conferences, talk to people about mm. it. And they were like, this is amazing. This is great what you're doing. You need mm. to tell more. And then, and then I was just totally blown away when mm. um, it was Joe. Uh, Joe invited me to give a talk to a, um, it was a, the, the London Special Interest Group. Yeah. And, and I, I, I just wasn't expecting it, but the room was absolutely packed. Mm. And I was like, wow, you guys all seem really interested. I thought it was just kind of, you know, <laughs> me wow. just working away on my own, you know, kind of thing. And that, and, that, and that just, that kind of just made it go a little bit crazy where, you know, everyone seemed to, and it was my sudden realization that, wow, you know, actually insomnia is, it's one of those conditions where, you know, it's pretty much everywhere. You know, if you've got yeah. chronic pain, if you've got depression, if you've got anxiety, yeah. if you've got bipolar, if you've got, you know, trauma, it's, there is sleeplessness. Absolutely. I think it, I think it's majority of people would have experienced it sometime in their life, yeah. if not yeah. if not for sustained mm. periods. Yeah, because I mean I'm just talking about the clinical side, but then yeah. you've also got the fact that everyone sleeps. Yeah. Or <laughs> every, or yeah. everyone, like you said, everyone will experience at some point in their yeah. lives uh, a time when they struggle with sleep. Mm. And and for many of those people, you know, often how we respond might not be the most helpful. They might not behave in a way that enables them to fall back to sleep or to to resolve it, and it may be the seed of doubt, mm. uh, which you know I always talk about sowing the seed of doubt in their sleep. It mm. might be the thing which starts off that vicious cycle. Yeah, I, I love the way you describe that seed and the, and the cycle as well, because that's because I you know I do coaching mm. with people in the workplace and work with with groups in different populations like mentioned ballet dancers mm. they were really interested in mm. Mm. in your approach recently I was lucky enough to work with a group of city financial mm. people just to give them a taster of what ACT can do in the workplace but mm. I had a, it was a small group it was about 15 20 mm. people and a number of them came up to me afterwards and said tell me about sleep they were that's what they really wanted to know about mm. Mm. That I directed them to, to to your website, but it's it's just I imagine in that type of those different types of careers, so ballet dancers that it's 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 quite a high pressure, intense career. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And city traders, hedge fund managers, yeah, they are risk takers. Mm, mm. Well, I think one of the really interesting things is is so to, to give you kind of the timeline, mm, and, and then yeah. so we. Uh, we, we were working away on the clinical side, but then in 2008, we got contacted by our first corporate organization, mm. and it was an ad agency. And they, they emailed us and said, hey, we've done an internal well-being survey. So they were quite ahead of the curve, you know, for that. For, is, for yeah. that. And, and they said, and we've realized that uh, sleep is the sort of the, the pain point for our employees, and could you come in and, and do something? Mm. And we kind of went, yeah, we could come in. That sounds that sounds like good fun, and and so because we were already running workshops, you know, within the, the clinical side, so yeah. we said, okay, we'll we'll come and run in run a um, sort of a workshop for around sort of basic sleep education, mm. and you know, and then what was started as a trickle mm. has now become sort of a raging torrent, um, where by we now I think it's you know the, the climate has changed hugely. I mean, mm. within the workspace. We, we've seen the rise of, of uh, the awareness of the importance of mental health 
And we've seen, you know, the rise in poor mental health mm. within the workplace. And because of sleep's role in managing good mental health, mm. that's, that's one reason why we believe that it's, you know, we now work with, you know, all the top sort of management mm. consultants, banks, law firms, ad agencies, FNCGs. Great. And, and, and there's been this incredible sort of change in the attitude towards sleep which is really, or just towards well-being within the workplace, mm. which is really fantastic because in 2008, there was, there was, there were some very unique companies who were, who realized the benefit, but then mm. there were a lot of perhaps, you know, maybe more box ticking exercises, you know, yeah. but then now we've got, it's very, you know, we'll go into a meeting and they will have a five year, uh, strategic well-being plan. You know, and it's, it's like, wow, that's incredible. That's wonderful to hear. And you're right, there's been such a shift from mm. thinking, oh, let's give them a basket of fruit. <laughs> yeah. And a massage. And a massage, yeah. <laughs> yes. That'll get rid of all the ills of this workplace yeah. and create yeah. us into this harmonious group who get on. Yeah. Massage and a banana. Exactly. What, could, what, what else could do you be need? <laughs> but it's so great to hear that you've got the traction and people are coming to you. Yeah, I think we've we've um, we've always benefited from, I guess, uh, the fact that you know ev everyone sleeps, mm. and you know that there are just you know because of the, the, whether it be the lifestyles that people are living now, mm. whether it be increased stress levels, whether it be poor mental health, mm. whether it be, um, but also a complete lack of understanding around how to improve sleep. So the way I describe it is, you know, in, in the sort of, uh, let's say the 90s mm. uh, or 80s, 90s, you know, we had all, all of the sort of the movement thing, yeah. you, know, like, you know, aerobics and all that. So we yeah. learned learn how to move. Yeah. And in the noughties, you know, we, we learned how to eat, you know, sort of yeah. like there was, you know, you, you can move into early 2000s for, a, you know, there was a, for a blueberry, you know, being mentioned <laughs> in a Sunday supplement, you know, and that was that superfood yeah. aspect. But then from about 2010 onwards, we had this sudden realization, well, hang on, there are these pillars of health. There's you know, movement, there's uh, nutrition, but there's this one called sleep and we don't know much about it. And we have done numerous surveys. So a lot of what we do now is based on uh, large uh, sort of survey data that we, we mm. regularly survey the UK. And we did a, um, a couple of big surveys where we surveyed nearly over 25,000 working adults in the UK. Wow. And what's staggering is that 51% of those adults said that they, they, they didn't know what to do to improve their sleep. Mm. So that's, you know, it's, and this is, this, is, this is a group of individuals where half of that population uh, was sleeping less than five, well, between five and six hours. Mm. And, um, you know, and 77% and, you know, said that they weren't meeting their biological sleep needs, you know. So, so it's, it kind of tells you that there's this sudden realisation that we're not getting the right mm. amount of sleep that we need mm. and we don't know what to do about it. And yeah. so we were suddenly, you could say there was, you know, right place, right time, mm -hmm. I guess, you know, with, um, so, so we did have lots of organizations coming towards, coming to us and mm -hmm. we still do where they, they go, we, we want to teach our employees how to sleep better because we know it's so important for mm -hmm. everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think there's that general move in organizations too, to not just treating people as kind of the, the robot at work and yeah. to get the rest of their lives, that's up to them. Don't bring that to work. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be much more. The, the training I do with Paul and, uh, and other people is very much, let's talk about you as a whole yeah, human yeah. being, and not I, ignoring that stuff outside of work. And, and I think that's a really interesting area in the mm. workplace, isn't it? Because, you know, it, because there, there is this question, well, is, is it the role of the company to be, mm. you know, to, to be 
helping someone with sleep. Mm. Sleep something really personal. Yeah. And and then you get companies, you know, there's there's an insurance company in America, there's a company in Japan mm. where they put trackers on people and they uh, incentivize them to get more sleep. So if they get if they get X amount of sleep yeah. a night, then they'll get money off in the canteen, or they get really? uh, they'll get um, you know sort of holidays or you know digital devices and that kind of stuff. Which I I have a little you know I have what well, issues with one the whole tracking thing, uh, but also uh, incentivizing from our insomnia side because we know that you know yeah. when you put pressure on sleep, you know it, it sleep doesn't it's necessarily kind of come performance anxiety. Yeah, like, yeah, you can imagine. I want to get the whole Oh, no. yeah. Yeah. I need to sleep now. <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's a little bit um, back to front, but uh, I'm not sure about that. But um, but it's still that you know the heart is in the right place. Yes. And it's meant it, it's it's organisations waking up to the benefits of mm. sleep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and going okay, what can we do to help people? improve their sleep and what's really great now is we're seeing what can we do as an organization in the daytime to help people sleep better at nighttime so it's the realization mm -hmm. that the nighttime is often it's just a reflection of the daytime mm -hmm. you know the stress that people are experiencing the long working hours the longer commutes mm -hmm. the the poor diets you know all of that stuff mm -hmm. which people are doing in the day has a very strong effect on what yeah, goes on at course. night. And so actually, you know, if, if we can educate the employees how to better manage their data work, mm. you know, their, their, their daily working lives, yeah. then we can, you know, sort of improve their nighttime. So it's like shining a light on the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so by this point in the sort of chronology that the sleep school is established, is it? Yeah, two thousand and eight ish. Or uh, yeah, yes, uh, yeah, no. The, the, the sleep school. Um, well, it, the, the sleep school was uh, the, the sleep school name. The sleep school came in two thousand and eleven. Right. Uh, but it had a number of different names before then. Got it. But yeah. Got no, it's uh, yeah. yeah. So um, the sleep school uh, is is the and the name and the reason we changed the name is because we we wanted to make it. We wanted to move away from the sort of the clinical side. Mm. We wanted. We saw sleep as so important, such mm. an important message to get out to, you know, everyone out there, mm. you know, and, and that we wanted to make it um, something which was, you know, seemed, you know, to, to be friendly, you mm. know, to be, but, you know, providing the, the term we used was sort of providing playful education. Love that. You know, sort of education which is so uh, valuable, so mm. needed, and and you know, to be able to get it out to as many people as possible. Wow. I love that playful education because that's kind of I've never thought of it like that but that's kind of what I try to do in, in my work with organisations in this podcast yeah. trying to make it more accessible to people and yeah. let's not be scared of it let's try and explain it in, in, in terms that we can all get yeah. to grips and, and that's why you know I, 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 I told you that when I attended yours and Paul's workshop yeah. I loved it you know because yeah. you just brought you know play was such an important mm. part of it and that's what you know for years um, we're, we're, we'd uh, you know we've been running these, these insomnia workshops mm. and um uh, and right at the beginning, you can imagine you've got a, a room full of you know twenty or thirty chronic insomniacs. Yeah. You know? It's it's a it's a tough crowd. That's a gig and a half. It's um and. I always knew that at my heart, I was like, okay, playful education. So at the beginning, mm. right at the beginning, I go, you know, we're going to cover this and we're going to cover that. But by the way, I want to make sure that we have some fun today. Mm. And, and they, the look on their faces, they'd be like, are you joking? 
yeah. insomnia is ruining my life mm. you know and again and I totally understand it is mm. it's horrendous but why don't we see if we can learn to overcome your insomnia mm. with a little bit of play because actually yeah. when you can play when you, you know, if you learn through play you learn mm. so much better and I think that starts to be diffusive in itself yeah stuff. yeah yeah, yeah. So, so tell me, tell me about the, the sleep school today. Well, what do, what do you offer? You've talked about. Do you still do clinical stuff and organisational stuff? Yeah. How does that work? Yeah, so, the, well, the, the way the sleep school works is uh, our mission is to help the world to sleep better, to live better. Boom. So that's our grand yeah. mission. It's quite big, you know. But we see there's a, you know, we're currently experiencing a global sleepless epidemic right now. Uh, uh, 20% of the global population suffer from insomnia. 45% of the world's population will suffer from some form of sleep disorder, you know, in their life. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it, in America, uh, the, the um, uh, International Classification of Sleep Disorders mm. in 2014 created a new sleep disorder called insufficient sleep syndrome. And love it. I, I know. Love a good label. But, not. <laughs> but you're going to love the definition. So, so the definition is basically insufficient sleep syndrome is when an individual purposely chooses to restrict themselves of sleep due to their own social behaviours. Oh, God. So basically, it's, it's kind of... It, 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 you know, and this is the big challenge, yeah. is that we are now at a place where we, through our own actions, mm. we are restricting ourselves mm. of sleep. But that's... And the reason why it needed a classification was because it's impacting, you know, in America, you know, health insurance, mm. you know, uh, you know, driving yeah. accidents, it basically became so big mm. that it, it, you know, the bottom line is it's hugely impacting, um, our health. Mm. So that, and that's why, mm. uh, America, you know, sort of the government there is, is classed it as a, as, as a, you know, a sleeplessness as a, a global epidemic. One, one of you just reminded me one of the finance guys who came to talk to me about sleep after the workshop. He was saying he gets up at weird hours in the night to check the Asian market. Mm, mm, yeah, and he said, and it's ruining my life. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. So we work with a lot of sort of you know, uh, similar kind yeah. of uh, people where, and it's it's yeah, it's really challenging. You know, mm. sort of, and and. I mean, what we seek to do is provide sort of education around, mm. um, you know, what is good sleep and how can you achieve it? But then also, how can you um, perhaps manage the challenging working lives that we've got? Mm. So, we, you know, if we go into law firms or management consultants mm. and if we said, oh, you've got to get eight hours a night, they'd kind of just laugh us out the building. Yeah. So it's going, okay, we understand mm. that there's, uh, that's not possible all the time. Mm. But what can you do? How can you sort of behave in a way which is going to allow you one to get the best possible sleep with the time you've got available mm. but also to catch up in the best ways mm. um, and so it's, it's you know it's, it's that sort of it's giving them uh, it's trying to make a balance mm. you know, and giving them the education to make uh, informed positive behaviour change um, around you know helping them to manage stress better yeah. you know helping them to improve their nighttime sleep helping them to detach from work that kind mm. of stuff So I'm going to pause there. Thanks very much to Guy. If you liked part one, you're going to love part two. We talk about trackers, coffee, and Guy generously offers a whole set of takeaways, a veritable banquet. So that's it. Thanks so much for listening, Peace Supers. It's great to have you as part of the Peace Super community. 
If you like this episode or the podcast, could I invite you to share it with one other person? I'm really keen to spread the behavioral science and skills with more people. You can get in touch with me at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at peoplesouppod. On Instagram, at people.soup. And on Facebook, at peoplesouppod. Thanks to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic, and thanks to you for listening. If you fancy joining me as I have a go at being brave and being proud this week, in whatever way that resonates with you, of course, keeping it small, then please do. And in the meantime, have a great week. Bye for now. Or or my personal favourite was waking them up every few minutes with a loud speaker. (laughs) So, kind of like torture. Um... You have to amuse yourself in some way if you're going yeah. to sort of spend your whole, you know. Oh, that's terrifying. So you just marched in and be like, oh. Oh, no, we had a, a, a siren above the, mounted above their head, which we press a button.